Hey everyone, welcome to Akio Politics, a podcast about politics in the wizarding world of Harry Potter. I'm Erin. And I'm Adri. And we are two recovering English majors. And today we're going to be talking about the politics of proper etiquette. In Chapter 3, The Invitation of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire by J.K. Rowling. listening to us if you if you know you're listening to us when this releases on the eve of christmas so happy holidays everyone because unlike hogwarts we don't just celebrate christmas we celebrate it all merry and bright indeed so before uh we begin this is our annual question why is christmas celebrated at hogwarts at all I just think it should be Yule. I know I bring it up every year. Probably not going to get off this horse, but I just think it should be Yule. You know, solstice, something. Something? I don't know. Um, have you seen that uh, Tumblr thread about, like, Jesus was a wizard and that's the reason? No, I haven't. It's hilarious. But also, I'm pretty sure, like, that would be something, like, JK would come up with, like, on her Twitter, like... P.S. Jesus was a wizard. That'd be Magic. a fun. That'd be a fun research uh, excursion. How many profiles on Tumblr are fake J.K. Rowling accounts? <laughs> J.K. J.K. Not throwing any accusatory shade there. Oh, her recon uh, Tumblr posts. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Where she poses as one of the people. <laughs> well, you know, happy holidays to everyone. Not sure about Christmas at Hogwarts. That's our political stance on this. I know we this is like a divergent conversation, but speaking of references to Harry Potter and other things, have you uh do you watch um Fresh Off the Boat? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Have are you caught up on the most recent season, season five that's out right now on Hulu? I don't think I am. I may be. Tell me, I, I don't care about spoilers, so just tell me the, the thing. In this episode, Jenny has authored um, her book, and she's published it, and she's having her first book reading, um, but it happens to be on the same day when Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone is released, <laughs> and so there is an absolute frenzy at the bookstore, but it's not for her book, and so she does recon to understand what it, like what her competition is, like what threw her, you know, off of the literary circuit, if you will. And her commentary is hilarious. You know, she's like, I can't believe like that this like you know this book is out selling mine, like written by a third grade school teacher on the back of a napkin, no less. <laughs> I love Jenny's character. You have to, you, I think you either love or hate Jenny's character, but I love her. Well, you know that I love her. Come on. We're commanders. She's a fellow yes. commander. Oh, she's, yeah, she is to the extreme. There's no middle ground there. Yeah. So, no, I love her character. I feel like she brings like that, like, can do attitude and like makes everyone fall in line. And that's what I strive to be in my life. Yeah, no, I love that show, and I think everyone is so well cast. The kids are so cute. I know, they're the cutest. And I don't even like children, as you know. <laughs> and enough for a plug of Fresh Off the Boat. <laughs> End of plug. Anyhow, um, speaking of plugging things, let's plug ourselves. Uh, we have a Patreon, and... Everyone's going to get charged January 1st. So you have until December 31st to sign up for our Patreon levels. And every, everyone's going to, you know, get their things by, I want to say, January 15th. I feel like that's a very generous <laughs> leeway time for me to get things shipped. <laughs> but I promise to ship everything by the 5th. That's that's my goal. Um, but we have so many cool levels, you guys. We have the Year of Wizard, which is $2 a month. And you just get 
advanced release of episodes. So starting in 2019, we're no longer releasing episodes on Monday unless you're on Patreon. If you're not on Patreon, you have to wait until Thursdays. That's what's happening, you guys. Big shift, big change. Hope to not lose you in this. (laughs) (laughs) But also pay us money. (laughs) Give us money, (laughs) please. I'm super excited because this weekend I'm working on the second test, um, the second testing of the recipe for the pumpkin pasties brought to you by Acheopolitics. Um, The first Exclusive. Exclusive. Let me just just tell you that like pastry is its own dang. It is its own world. Um, So first test was not documented because I don't do well with disaster. It doesn't compute. Um, But this weekend, we've quickly learned. So I'm really excited to be testing recipes for pumpkin pasties. And this is like the, let me tell you something else, listeners. The archaeopolitics approach to treats in the wizarding world is very much like Julia Child's approach to French cooking and bringing it to American chefs. Okay. Like we are going to make this easy, approachable, delicious. All right. You don't have to be and stylish. a patisserie chef and, and stylish. Yes. To execute on these because we're all, we're all busy working 40 hour weeks, grinding away commitments to ourselves, to our families, to our friends. We want quick recipes, 30 minutes or less. In America, we have a lot of podcasts to run, you know, on top of our jobs. So we don't have time. 30 minutes or less. <laughs> so it's like a Rachel Ray takes on the wizarding world is what you're saying. Wow. If I could be half as successful as Rachel Ray in this endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that bitch has branched out into dog food. She's so successful. <laughs> She'll cook for anybody. I feel like now my new goal in life is to be successful enough to have my line of dog items. And if you have seen my Instagram, that is like very on brand. You're well on your way. 2018 things are going to, 2019 things are going to really (laughs) ramp up for you. 2018 has been such a year that it didn't even register to you that it was almost over. Yeah, no, I, it's wow. Hashtag whirlwind. Not not really sure how to sum up 2018 in one word yet. But, you know, we digress. Let's continue on our levels. There's a $5 level, which brings you a custom sticker that we've designed just for listeners. And you can only get them here. I just mailed Erin the stickers for January, February, and March. So I'm hoping she's decorating her entire house with them. <laughs> Yeah, they're, well, it's like, it's one of those things where they're so treasured that now it becomes paralyzed with indecision on where they go because it's mm-hmm, a matter mm-hmm. of putting them on something important. So my husband's watched me like, stop, go, stop, go, stop, go several times with several different objects and just kind of stand there not knowing how to proceed. So, but I, yeah, they're wonderful they're absolutely delightful and you definitely you definitely want them you definitely want them and that's for five dollars a month then we go to ten dollars a month and you get all of that plus Erin's wonderful americanized easy and glamorous recipes a different one each month and january is going to be pumpkin pasties and i'm i can't be more i can't be any more excited like for this Totally. They pair really well with champagne. So like this could be a new year, you know, this could be like a new year treat for you. Champagne. Hmm. Sundays are for pumpkin pasties and champagne in January. I feel like we also have to add a note to our recipe cards, Erin. Like pairs well with. Oh, but we must now. Because <laughs> you because you put us on the hook for it. <laughs> You know, like, if you can't find, (laughs) Erin, if you can't find anything to pair it with, you can be like, pairs well with breathing. (laughs) Pairs well with reading Harry Potter. Pairs well with drinking water. You know, things that you have to still do. So basically, you're asking me to just take my tongue-in-cheek attitude and now take it to our recipe cards. Indeed. Indeed. Perfect. Wonderful. Excellent. Okay. Duly noted. 
And then for $15 a month, you get all of that, plus some creative control over the podcast and a guest spot. I mean, that sounds amazing. And also, on top of all of that, listeners, you're also going to probably get, you know, just random gifts in the mail from us. Random. Gifts, 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 gifts. But give me until February to get that started, please. Thank you. But we're so excited to have you guys. So excited to have you check out the Patreon page and excited for future guest episode people. So speaking of new patrons, this week we've got Elizabeth Smith as our newest patron. Thank you so much for being our patron. From the bottom of our heart, Elizabeth, thank you. From the bottom of our heart, the bottom of our teacups where we divinate the bottom of our wine glasses that we may or may not be sipping at this very moment. Thank you. Rosé all day. Hello. I think, you know, for someone who doesn't want to have children, I really do love mom wine. Is Rosé a mom wine? It is. It is. Ah. Well, it's wonderful. So I went to uh, Fredericksburg, uh, Texas, and they have Mm. like a wine tasting room. And we were talking about wines and like I wanted to, you know, have a sip. And I was like, well, you know, I, I like something like fruity and crisp and like it doesn't have to be sweet. It can be like, you know, in between. And the waitress is like, oh, this rosé, my mom loves it. And I was like, cool, go, go, go. Thanks. Hmm. Interesting suggestion, madam. Also, you could have just said like my friend loves it. Like, thanks. But also. It's okay. I like mom wine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Again, if it's delicious, it's delicious. So this episode is brought to you by mom wine. Ta-ta. My episode is brought by Soji Water Bottles, infusing my water with crystal healing. Oh, that's really cool. I saw that on your Insta. My husband's Christmas present to me. Your Christmas present that came in really early? Yes, because he knew that I would want to start drinking from it immediately. Okay, well, fair. My husband gave me one of my Christmas presents early because he was worried I would buy it for myself, which is a a doctor figurine, like those pop figures. Oh, I saw that in your Instagram. Yeah. No, that's my Barbie, actually, because I got myself the doctor Barbie. And then he said, Dr. Figgy. So when he saw that I had gotten myself the Dr. Barbie, he was like, oh, okay. I must give her this gift before she buys that for herself. (laughs) The time clock just like suddenly got to urgent. And he's like, yeah. So he's really casual about it. He's like, he's like, so today when I get home, I'm going to give you one of your um, gifts. And, um, and I was like, I wonder if it's doctor related because he just saw my Insta stories about the Doctor Who Barbie. Indeed, indeed. Good husband, good sleuthing. Well, you know, he is my biggest fan. (laughs) But enough about us, enough about Patreon. But, you know, if you want to be our patron, patreon.com slash acupolitics. We have a chapter to discuss. Let's get down to it. And this, I'm so excited. This is a really good chapter. Oh, this chapter is uh, good and also troubling in equal measure for me. Yes, true. True. All right. So it's it's my turn. I look forward to your thoughts. So it's my turn to do the chapter summary. Uh, Uh So let me um, center. I know I have no healing crystals like you do, but let me just center on myself. And my wine. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And let's do this. All right. So uh, the first item we have is a narrator fat shames Dudley for like five pages. Harry takes pleasure in outsmarting the Dursleys and being able to not follow the diet set out in the family. Mr. Dursley gets a letter from Molly and has too, that, that it, and it has too many stamps, which the postman finds amusing. And Vernon is like. Super defensive about it because, like, oh my god, don't these people know our norms? Like, who are they? Uh, the letter is an invitation to go to the Quidditch World Cup with the Weasleys. Um, Harry low key threatens Vernon with serious and be like, 
hey, so if Sirius doesn't, like, hear from me, he might think something's wrong. So I'm just going to go. It's okay that I can't go to the Quidditch World Cup, but I'm just going to go and, you know, write to my um, murderous uh, godfathers, if that's okay with you. And uh, then uh, Vernon's like, no, 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 you can go. It's totally fine. And then Harry lets Ron know that he's going to the Quidditch World Cup. The end. Well summarized. Well done. You know, trying to bring my artistic flair to this. Oh, I felt it. I felt it. We are recording on a Friday night instead of our Saturday or Sunday mornings. So now it's kind of more acceptable to drink wine. And I think the artistic flair comes from the wine. (laughs) The creative juices are flowing, as they say. Yeah. And also like thinking, huh, it's going to be a long weekend. I haven't had one of those in a while. Now, before we begin. On our politic, I want to discuss the fat shaming a little bit. Before, when I was like reading this as a 14-year-old, I don't think I paid that much attention to it. But this read, it really got to me, especially as we're dissecting chapter by chapter. Um, Mm, mm -hmm. You know, like I think it's easier to gloss over if you're doing like a straight up read rather than like an analysis of the chapter. Oh, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So there's like that, there's a few phrases there like, Dudley's wider than he is taller. He takes up so much space. Like, I, what are your thoughts on this? Because I am just horrified about like how the narrator uses that to discredit Dudley other than like, there's so many other ways to discredit him other than just his size, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and it's one of those things where because we've talked about it before, you know, in book one, I'm aware I was aware of the way in which Dudley is being described, but I will have to be upfront about my own biases. Um, this chapter introduces the Quidditch World Cup. And so I gloss I glossed over. Um, the portions that focused on Dudley because I am invested and excited about the part with the World Cup. So no, okay, I can definitely okay. say I can that, that I I can definitely I can definitely say that I personally showed up, you know, glossing over those sections because and and it is easy, I think, to it's, it's, gloss over it like in a in a in a broad reading. Um but if you're especially if you're like looking for something like I was like you're cherry picking do you know what I mean so for me okay so as you most of you know I listen to the chapters while I'm doing other things so in in preparation for the podcast um and as I was listening I was like I thought I always thought this chapter was about the invitation and just the Quidditch World Cup but like half of the chapter is fat shaming Dudley and how Harry and it's all about and how Dudley's on a diet, but Harry can get away with not being on a diet because he's naturally skinny, and also his friends send him treats. And see, yeah, totally. And see, I I get a lot of pleasure out of Harry getting those treats and having like that secret trove. Like I am simultaneously grossed out by the fact that he's keeping cake in the floorboards, but like the part. I mean, like again, like I definitely know what you're talking about. That like early on. There's a phrase that likens Dudley to being the size of like a baby killer whale. And yeah, like, yeah, exactly. That actually prompted me to go- to Google it because I, that's a pretty strong analogy, you know. And like, it's highly unlikely that Dudley <laughs> was the size of a small baby killer whale. But that's the extreme to which J.K. is going to liken him. So you know, your point is well made. Well, and and even like the way I think, I think the Dursleys are unpleasant enough by their actions that we don't have to go into their physicality and how a physicality that is outside of European standards of beauty, i.e. like thin and tall is gross. I think that's just uncalled for. And like, there's, there's many statement in this chapter, like there's that one about the killer whale, but it's like the thing about being, um, Again, like I said, wider than than he is tall, and also how he takes up so much space in the house, like an entire corner of a table, and how 
he has like the biggest size of the grapefruit, but then he's still hungry and how the nurse was really concerned about his size, which is like a thing that's been proven to be like, just because you're a certain size doesn't mean you're not healthy, you know? Um, and that this whole fat shaming thing and it's like, oh, and they had no other choice because the shorts didn't come in his size anymore. Right. Well, and the chapter definitely does posit it as like a health issue too. You know, like they frame it as Petunia had to clear the kitchen away of all of like the fizzy pop and the cakes and like candies and, you know, replaced it with like fruits and vegetables, i.e. things that like are in anybody's, you know, like regular diet. Um, And so the author, like i.e. JK, is definitely trying to, I think, I don't know if excuse is the right word, but kind of um, perhaps mask the way that she's framing these characters through another really problematic discourse of, well, like, it's because they're really unhealthy. Like, it's not just Dudley Short's not fitting. Like, the nurse has choice words for him, quote unquote, and sent, you know, this, this, you know, school approved diet or whatever. So um, the fat shaming is directly linked to an assumption that what he's consuming and his body size is directly correlative to his health. Um, And not just that, and also directly correlated to the fact that he's a terrible human being. And that's, I think, I think is is the accusation that gets, gets lobbied most fairly at JK's narrator. Let's just say it's not JK. Let's just say it's the narrator that she wrote, right? That she correlates like size and like, like all, all these things to someone's character. Right. And that's even more than just like that, like sizeism and fat shaming and all the like health concern type, like whatever, like that is also very troubling. Well, and I think that she, I think that the narrator is also trying to make the point that this kind of consumption is a morality issue, you know, exactly. to, like, to consume the way that Dudley consumes is a morality issue, which, like, yeah, very, very dangerous waters to be trudging in there, JK. But, again, if we just call them the narrator for shorthand. <laughs> so, yeah, like, when when I was kind of listening to this, I was like, well, when I picked out this politic, I was full of shit. I should have done, like, the whole, like, bat shaving thing. <laughs> Well, I have to say that, like, selfishly, like, I'm really glad that we are able to talk about it through the lens of the politics of etiquette, because this chapter is, like, really, I love this chapter, because I love the way that the Weasleys are approaching, like, getting permission for Harry to go to the Quidditch World Cup. And let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about etiquette. It's fucking hilarious. Um, Yes, etiquette. Okay, so instead of going about this via V, our usual um, news source that we share with you guys, instead we're going to talk a little bit about a really famous text that came out from this from this woman named Emily Post. And Emily Post is this kind of infamous historical figure. She's a New York socialite. Um, the New York Times actually, in her biography quoted, like described her as being very pretty and very spoiled. So she's a socialite, and she wrote this book, um, Emily Post's Guide to Etiquette. And <laughs> it is still, like copies are still being made today. Um, it my The reason I have a copy and that I I know so much about her is because my husband actually owns a copy um and i have to say like i've only flipped so ironically or oh no not ironically at all no um no michael... i'm in love with this already not ironically at all um if you know my husband this would make a lot of sense to you but like not ironically at all um i have to ask michael the question is... your the listeners don't know they don't know, no, but my husband is ever the gentleman, and these kinds of questions like do plague him, and he is affronted at breaches of etiquette. But this is an interesting conversation, and it's a politic because etiquette isn't a universal concept. And so what yes. might be deemed quote-unquote polite manners to you or to me may not be universally accepted and, and maybe shouldn't be. And so um, I just want to share with you, dear listeners, a couple of my favorite quotes um, from Emily Post etiquette book. Bring them so, to us. 
And and I want to say also that like not again, you may hear the title of this book and just like scoff and brush it off as like 1950s nonsense that you don't need, but there are some kernels of knowledge in here that are worth hearing. Quote, manners are a sensitive awareness of the feelings of others. If you have that awareness, you have good manners, no matter what fork you use. Now that is a fucking quote that you can embroider, my dear friends. Like Matters at a sensitivity or an awareness to others and therefore appropriately acting based off of that, I think is a, is a really nice way to think about manners. And it's a really, it's, there's an entry point in there for everyone. Another good one that's, I think, something that we can all get behind, quote, a gentleman does not boast about his junk. Oh, thank you, Emily. Yes. Yes. That this isn't common knowledge is shocking. That she had to write it is shocking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then there are some more problematic ones like this overgeneralization. Quote, the attributes of a great lady may still be found in the rule of the four S's. Sincerity, simplicity, sympathy, and serenity. I mean, you could totally say I'm, I'm, I'm that, right? Like, that's, that's just a definition of me right now. <laughs> This is a trap. (laughs) (laughs) Does not compute. Now, we, I think there is a combination of some of these that we both have. Um, (laughs) Simplicity, though, I would not necessarily, and I would reject it. Like, if you were to come at me and be like, Aaron, like, we would like for you to be perhaps, like, more simplistic. I'd be like, bitch, fuck you. Get out of my face. So, like. I mean, come on. I'm really extra. Like, we all know this. Extra may or may not fall under a breach of good etiquette. So, again, it's super subjective here. Super Mm -hmm, subjective. mm -hmm, So. mm -hmm. We bring this book up entirely to frame our conversation around the politics of etiquette as this, that. What may be good manners to you or to me may not be good manners to all. Um, I think that, like, even uh-huh. please and thank you can get kind of problematic when you get, when you, when you get contextual about it. I mean, my mother has been telling me my entire life that I'm not, I don't have good manners. So, like, this does not phase me. Like, this whole, like, sit up straight and, like make sure that your like elbows aren't on the table and like smile don't say sarcastic comments to people people don't like it when you argue with them that's just my mother telling me like i am not cut out for this world well but this and the smiling one is a rough one too do you know what i mean like that's a oh god and so it can be nearly impossible to operate in this world um <laughs> yeah no within the confines of good etiquette and one one should not because one has but one life to live well and also like how can you have fun if you're always like minding like every little thing i so so my whole thing in life is like as long as you're not actively hurting others just do you you know like do whatever you that want i love yeah, I love, I love, again, that quote from Emily Post about just, like, having an awareness and being sensitive yeah. to others, you know? But but do you, you know? like I can accept that. You. Yeah, like, I can totally accept that. I can totally make that, like, my life's mission. I think the, the simplicity part of it, I struggle with. Yeah, totally. Even the serenity. Serenity. Just, like, I mean, like, <laughs> often. Like, yeah, like, I would, yeah, like, serenity sounds great. Like, sometimes, maybe, yeah, for sure. But when I'm sleeping. All the time. Like, serene is not a look that I'm looking to wear always. Yeah, no, I see that. I see that. So when we're talking about etiquette, I also want to talk about, like, the idea that etiquette is really just following proper social norms, right? So when she wrote about serenity and simplicity, like that was like the proper social norm. I'm thinking. For a lady. For a lady, yes. Yes. So, and and this is all always evolving and always like going through different changes um, as it pertains to how we think about people and how we think about what they should do and act, you know? So, or, or how they should act, right? Um, but also, I think that etiquette has some similarities to our current culture's rejection of, like, politically correct culture. Um, mm, sure. So, so 
the rise of like fascism in America can be kind of traced back to this like rejection of politically correct. It was like, oh, the rules always keep changing. Why can't I just say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays? Or like, there's a war on Christmas. Don't you see it? Or like, why can't I say the R word? Why can't I say the N word? Like, when did it be- when did it become bad? It's like, guys, it's always been bad. You just know we've just noticed as a culture, it's bad recently. We've only recently become sensitive and aware to others. <laughs> but like this idea of like there's these like so, like cultural shifts and cultural norms happening and some people embrace them and some people reject it. And that's where like the I, I don't know if, you, if you're getting what I mean, like that's where like the the entire shift and the entire like um, fight become center around like no i'm right no i'm right like this like like friction right yeah of, for sure of how to behave or how to be a human being that's also a friction about the politics of proper etiquette yeah for sure for sure and and i and i love this chapter for highlighting this especially when it comes to the weasleys because their solution is to do all the things they're just like okay we're gonna cover our bases by like going through standard muggle procedure like fine fine we'll send the letter like make sure there's enough post on it arthur you know so like 10 billion stamps letter like a letter has been sent to the dursleys like requesting you know the company of their nephew harry for such and such and like they even are kind enough to like gloss over the fact that they know that they're like abusive to him you know they're just like we're sure that harry's told you all about our son ron like negative so i love (laughs) i love that like they approach this by have like like by having a twofold solution and they check mark the first fold and then ron's just like yo permission or no permission we will see you sunday at 5 p.m world cup baby world cup yeah because that is the etiquette in the wizarding world like muggles yeah whatever we're gonna do us yeah exactly exactly and like whether or not and there's also like this presumption too of just like whether or not they say yay or nay we're wizards what are they gonna do we'll just show up at the port key and you know we're out of there 80 85,000 yeah and like obliviate them and like they'll never remember it it's totally fine you guys it's fine but we tried the nice way but we tried yeah exactly and that's also mirrored in harry's actions with you know his food and and being at the breakfast table like it's very polite of him to sit there and like ex- like I'm using polite in quotations here but it's very polite of him to sit there and eat the piece of grapefruit that's even smaller than the serving that Dudley has and because he knows that this is a performance and that later he's going to get to go back upstairs to his floorboard and have his quote unquote real breakfast so like etiquette is also performative it doesn't necessarily um like purport authenticity it can i'm not saying that that manners make you like inauthentic or something but just to say that um one in the same way that like the dursleys to the outside world have a facade of just being like you know your status quo average british family or whatever super cool you guys (laughs) yeah yeah nuclear british working class family you know on the inside there's a total lack of etiquette taking place in this household. So, um, which, which brings really... me to the question of like etiquette. Is it something that we do for the rest of the world and we like shed in front of our family? Or is it something that we should be doing all the time, no matter what? So this is a really great philosophical question. And like, I will answer it by telling you what I personally do. Like, yeah, yeah, of I course. personally attempt to exemplify the best manners that I can in the ways that I think are appropriate. Meaning I say, thank you. Um, I am kind to people that are in service positions. Um, I hold doors open for people when they're coming in behind me. Um, I say, please, when I'm requesting something, uh, if I'm declining, I make sure it's no thank you. So, um, and I do it because I expect the same in return, which you might argue is, doing it for societal reasons but I also like can't imagine not doing it like I know I would feel so bad if I went to like the Chick-fil-a line and ordered and you know didn't say like thank you you know after getting my meal 
it would feel terrible. So, so the Dursleys to me show like that, that etiquette that is based upon performance and like for the outside world, but they don't really care about treating people right. They just think they just care about what people think. Absolutely. Yeah. the, The Dursleys are etiquette as performance. Yeah, so so I think that's also like a commentary that that runs through the books and runs through uh, this chapter specifically about how the Dursleys just care about what other people may think. Like when the postman comes in and he's like, yo, like, what is this thing about the stamps? And Vernon's like mortified and defensive when maybe the postman was all like super tickled by the idea. Yeah, no, absolutely. Which brings me to, if you don't mind, my quote of today's chapter. Yes. Okay, so my quote comes on in page 31. And it says, Harry didn't, uh, didn't say anything. Other people might not understand why Uncle Vernon was making a fuss about too many stamps. But Harry had lived with the Dursleys too long not to know how touchy they were about anything even slightly out of the ordinary. Their worst fear was that someone would find out that they were connected, however distantly, with people like Mrs. Weasley. So here we see like his the entirety of Vernon's etiquette and Petunia's etiquette and like this uh, performant, performative act that they show to society is only to hide whatever they're ashamed of and they're just worried about how they're perceived by the postman by their neighbors by everyone in around them they just want to seem better than they are in their minds and they want everyone to look up to them fucking dursleys (laughs) well and, and vernon in particular we've talked about this a lot like he's very concerned with physical appearance with how he's doing with what people think of him and like Harry is really not. Yeah. And and it and it's one of those things where it's like it's cliche to say, but it's so true. Like beauty on the inside, ugly on the outside. <laughs> Sorry, Harry. Untamed hair is it's not my thing. Poor thing. Let him Oh, be. he'll live. He'll live. Literally, he's the chosen one. He's fine. My deep dive quote comes on page 36. And this is, um, this is Ron's letter to Harry. Uh, We're coming for you, whether the muggles like it or not. You can't miss the World Cup. Only mom and dad reckon it's better if we pretend to ask their permission first. If they say yes, send Pig back with your answer pronto, and we'll come get you at 5 o'clock on Sunday. If they send no, send Pig back pronto, and we'll come get you at 5 o'clock on Sunday anyway. Hermione's arriving this afternoon. Percy started work at the Department of International Magical Cooperation. Don't mention anything about abroad while you're here unless you want the pants board off you. See you soon, Ron. But I chose this quote because of Harry's response to Ron. Ron, it's all okay. The muggles say I can come. See you 5 o'clock tomorrow. Can't wait. Okay. So I get that like there's a little bit of an urgency here because there is a quote like gray feather sized tennis ball bopping into Harry's head right now. But like, listen, the Weasleys have just scored tickets to the World Cup. They are coming out of their way to the shithole that is Privet Drive to come and pick your ass up. And there is nary a thank you in this whole return letter. Well, that's what happens when you're a celebrity, Erin. You don't have to say thank you. Duh. Inexcusable. Totally inexcusable. (laughs) And there wasn't even a mention of, you know, thanks for the bride. Thanks for the tickets. Like, can't wait to, you know, can't wait to see the family. Like, Ron took the time to write this nice letter. He included specific details. Harry pencils something off in less than five seconds. And in that five seconds, the most important message that he could have sent after yes was not recorded. Thank you. Well, I would say maybe it's because Harry dislikes performative acts of etiquette, but still not a good enough excuse, I guess. Generous, I would say. Some might just say he is just responding to the letter, Aaron. Why are you overanalyzing it? Well, because I went to school for English for six years, so that's where we are today. (laughs) 
This uh, overanalysis is brought to you by six years of schooling. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, I I understand. And I know I, I really like that you chose this quote because Harry doesn't say thank you. Like, hey, I'm so excited. Looking forward to seeing you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm, yes, I'm just saying that, like, given given that the Weasleys are always so generous with Harry, and I know that he appreciates it, I know that he does, but just given how generous the Weasleys are with how little they have, I think a thank you is kind of the least that he can do. Do you think maybe he's just also, like, even though he's seen performative etiquette around him, he has not been taught? No, because he's perfectly polite with the professors. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Again, I am purposely making a mountain out of a mole here, here, but like, come on now. No, a no, thank no. Thank you. No, and, World and Cup you're not. Tickets, and you're up, not because our. Staying with the rest of the summer. No, and you're not because our entire episode is about the politics of etiquette, and he's exhibiting poor etiquette by not thanking his saviors. <laughs> and this is like, this is where etiquette ties back beyond just performance and into a larger conversation of like why why we have etiquette why we have manners and the thank you isn't for show it is an expression of gratitude because harry well and what's funny is that like harry could actually monetarily thank them he could reimburse them he could compensate them for his the rest of his summer stay but no one is asking to do him to do that and he's not offering that up so like an expression of gratitude for a gift is a thank you do you know what i mean and and i do think that that is a moral issue Oh, yeah. No. So I also want to talk about like, I I love this quote that you had, but I also want to talk about characters who would kind of embody this politic. And I want to say like, shout out to Mrs. Weasley. She is trying so hard. Oh, my God, she really is. But but is she also too? Because and I and I and I, I mean, she's she's doing everything. I love Molly Weasley. But like, again, Ron acknowledges in the letter that like, they're just doing the whole permission thing for show. Like they're going to fucking kidnap him. But also, but <laughs> and also I love that. that comes from Ron and Ron doesn't, is not like the most reliable source. So true. So true. So, so true. So he could be like, yeah, mom, Harry said that he could come. Regardless. Right. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Well, and for me, like, the characters who exemplify this etiquette are actually all of Harry's friends. Like, I think it's so wonderful that when he expressed there was going to be kind of like a quote-unquote food shortage in (laughs) his house. Yes, yes. Everyone responded with, like, hordes of food. You know, like, Hermione sent over all those sugar-free snacks and Hagrid sent over rock cakes and, like, Miss Weasley had a whole gift basket. And then everyone sent a cake for his birthday, like... Damn, I am horrible. It's like I haven't even got my fucking Christmas cards out this year, but like that is on point. All right, so we're finishing up the last episode of 2018. Woo! Because guess what, you guys? The next episode is going to be. Not next Monday, but next Thursday. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is the very last episode of 2018. What a ride it has wow. been with you guys. This podcast has kept me sane. Well, that and my therapist. But, you know, let's say it's 50-50. <laughs> we can say it's 50-50, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, you know. Thanks to my therapist and this podcast for keeping me sane. But as we come to a close, Erin, what have you been watching, listening to, looking at? And also, maybe, like, what's the best thing you've looked at in 2018? I know this is like a curveball that is not in our notes, but I think we need to, like, finish 2018 like this. 
Oh, for sure. So I hope I'm not stealing your thunder here because like you wrote it before I did, but like <laughs> I totally can see, I just like, I just watched um, Sabrina Holiday's special on Netflix and I was so overjoyed to see it because the new season won't come out until April, which is actually much closer than we may think. Um, but the holiday special was so, 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 so excellent. And it's so sad. Like the heartbreak between her and Harvey, like, oh, hashtag tension. Also, it was so good, right? It was so good. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. It was such a good episode. I was I was legit overcome. terrified with like you were overcome. Yeah. I was like overcome. Oh, like, you were just overcome. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like I was overcome like by the end of it. I was just like, this is such a good feel good episode and I didn't think it was going to be such a good episode. See, my, I was legit scared by it, too. Like, the part where Ambrose is looking in that compact mirror. Yes! That, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ah! Ah! And also, like, the Yule laddies. I'm sorry if I'm uh, saying this and no one has seen it. But, like, that was insane. Everything was insane. And I loved it so much. Yeah, and like the wax children. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, I was just like I don't know what I would do in that situation. Like, yeah, but I think all in all I'm sorry to say this, but because like maybe it's cuz the entire season led up to this, like so that we have a shorthand, my favorite episode to date. Oh, interesting. I think hmm, I'd be hard pressed to to pick a favorite episode right now. But you know what I mean? But like, I just, I, But I just, yeah. Oh, it was so good. It was so, it was good. so good. Well, I knew things were going to get much juicier once she signed the Book of the Beast. And, like, I have to tell you guys, like, listeners, if you're, watch, if you're watching Sabrina, oh, my God, I would have signed that shit so quickly. Like, no hesitation. Like, sign me up. See, <laughs> I powers. wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, what are the terms and conditions? Can I get a lawyer? Yeah. And that, that sound, yes, that, yes, that's so you. I'm just like, what up, magical bitches? And I'm sorry, I'm a skeptic. That's who I am. This is, this is it. <laughs> but, okay, so 2018. Next thing you know, I'm being eaten. Yeah. So 2018, what is the best thing you have consumed in 2018? What are you looking forward in 2019? Maybe your favorite episode of Occupolitics on 2018? Go. Okay. Um, favorite thing that I consumed in 2018 was actually the Netflix remake of She-Ra. I thought it was fucking excellent. And if you haven't watched it, I have it not. is so good. It is so, so, so good. Princess Glitter for the win. Um, favorite thing in 2018 to consume that's not a TV show were all of my Oracle decks, um, particularly my work my light oracle deck and the universe has got your back and my mother mary oracle deck favorite episode of 2018 was probably um any and all guest episodes with our dear um alisa lucas of best forevers she's the um, best she's the best was there any other was there any other question like looking forward to 2019 Looking forward in 2019. Uh, new season of Schitt's Creek coming in January. Obviously, like I said, Sabrina in April. Um, and definitely the cruise that I'm going on in July. Alaska, what up? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so for me, best thing I saw in 2018 that was not like reality TV trash because we know I love reality TV trash like Vanderpump Rules. I'm living for it. Um, <laughs> I think Sabrina for sure. Like, if not Haunting of Hill House, I'm kind of divided. And like, that was so good. And like, previous me would be like, that is too scary, and it was kind of scary. But you know what? I survived, and I'm better for it. Uh, totally. Also, best thing of 2018 was like my decision to go into therapy has helped so much in my life. Um. Best, uh, like my favorite episode of 2018 for Occupolitics, not only the ones where we had Dr. Elisa Lucas as a guest, but also the politics of time. That was a good episode, Erin. Like, when, that was a good episode. When we talked about like 
Hermione and the Time Turner and all that shit. That was great. Um, and looking forward to 2019, um, things to consume, um, for sure, all the Bravo, like, trash reality TV series, but also Sabrina season two. Oh, yeah. So excited about this. Also looking forward to, like, growing our Patreon page and sending lots of goodies to everyone. much for listening to this episode of Akio Politics. That's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week discussing the politics of prejudice in Chapter 4, Back to the Burrow, of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire by J.K. Rowling. And as a reminder, it's not going to be Monday. Mm-mm. It's going to be next Thursday. So it's going to be January 2019. So don't worry if you don't see us on your feed next Monday. It's going to actually be next Thursday. But until then, politics managed. Listeners, please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where you listen to our podcast so that we can keep growing. Another way you can help us to keep growing is to recommend us to your friends. Long story short, we want to reach as many people as possible, and we've been growing. But, you know, we can always grow more. You can find us online at www.akiopolitics.com. We're at Akiopolitics on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also leave us a voicemail with your thoughts by calling 915-996-1699. Drop us a virtual owl at info at Akiopolitics.com or at Akiopolitics at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by Adriana Wilson and Aaron Barrio. Our theme music was crafted by the amazing Kayla Sluka, who is not just a composer, but also a great photographer. You can find her at www.treasureroots.com.